Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be Ministers and Stewards of God. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in the first verse, it says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet Am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou did not receive? Now, if thou did receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? The first two verses of this chapter are very important. We find two distinct roles mentioned here. We see ministers and stewards. As Christians, We are each called to be both ministers and stewards. It's crucial to our walk with Christ that we understand these different roles and what they entail for our lives. Our first role that we need to look at is ministers. We are all called to be ministers. Ministers aren't just the preachers and the musicians. Every one of us is a minister. Revelation 1 and 6 says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When we're born again, we become kings and priests. We are ministers. This is the will of God for us. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 tells us, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The Lord has freed us from the bondage of sin and of the law, in order to make us ministers of the kingdom. Ministers is defined as a noun, meaning a chief servant, an agent appointed to transact or manage business under the authority of another, one to whom a king or prince entrusts the direction of affairs of state, a delegate, an ambassador, the representative of a foreign court. We are each ministers because we are servants of the Lord. He has appointed and chosen us to have authority and dominion under him. 
He has made us representatives of his kingdom as we carry out the business and the affairs of his kingdom on earth. If we are to be the best ministers that we can be, we need to learn what exactly a minister is and what's expected of us. In the Greek, we find further revelation of what being a minister means. The Greek word used for ministers in 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 is hopertes, which is a noun, meaning an underling, servant. Strong's Concordance goes on further to say hopertes comes from hypo, meaning under, and areso, meaning to row. It means a rower, a crewman on a boat, an under rower who mans the oars on a lower deck, a subordinate executing official orders. Fayer's Greek lexicon also says, it means anyone who serves with his hands and anyone who aids another in any work. This understanding of ministers changes the dynamics of what we're looking at. On older boats, the rowers would be on the lower deck, out of sight, tasked with operating the oars which kept the boat in motion going forward. Although they were not in open view for everyone to see, their job was the most essential because without it, the boat would get nowhere. Their work was hands-on. They served the boat and the captain through their actions, not through their thoughts. We find this to be true, likewise, when it comes to the ministry. Ministry is not always done in the open. Many times it's done on the lower deck. It's out of sight. It's in secret. Many times, it's the ministry that is done in secret that has the greatest impact and is the most important. It's the ministry that keeps the kingdom of God moving forward and advancing. Our ministry cannot stay locked away in our thoughts. It must manifest in our actions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions and good thoughts won't get us anywhere. We must do our ministering through our actions. The most common examples of ministry done in secret are prayer and giving. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in the first verse says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Many in the world feel that there is little or no power in giving or prayer. They think it's unimportant and ineffective. But this couldn't be further from the truth. It's giving that opens up the windows of heaven and allows the blessings of God to come down. And it's prayer that releases the power of the Holy Spirit within us. These are crucial ministries. They may be done out of sight, but they keep the work of God in motion. They row the oars, keeping the boat going forward. Giving people and prayer warriors are no less ministers than anyone else. They're crucial and necessary for a spirit-filled church to thrive. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. 
In Acts chapter 10, beginning in the first verse, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, it didn't say that his teaching and his preaching came up as a memorial. It says his prayers and his giving did. It's very important for us to grasp just how important giving and prayer really are. There is a reason why giving and prayer are singled out in contrast to all the other types and forms of ministries. Not everyone is called to preach or teach or evangelize or be an apostle or a prophet. But every single Christian all across the world, no matter where you are and no matter who you are, is called to giving and prayer. There is not a single one of us that isn't called to these ministries. This is why Christ has made us each kings and priests. As priests, we are called to offer sacrifices to God through our giving. And through our prayer, we not only offer praise and worship to God, but we also speak to and hear from God for ourselves, which was the special and unique role of the high priest of Israel. Giving and prayer are actions. They're a form of work. They require us to expend effort. Earlier, we saw in 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, it says, Who hath made us able ministers? The word able in the Greek is hakanu, which is a verb meaning to make sufficient, to render fit, to qualify, to make able and competent. Other versions of the Bible translate able as adequate. The key here is that we do not find our sufficiency in the ministry from ourselves. We find it in God. He makes us sufficient, not we ourselves. It can never be done through our own efforts and works. He prepares us and he qualifies us for the ministry that he has called us to. God never calls the qualified. He always qualifies the called. The successful ministers are not the ones with fancy degrees or the ones who fill stadiums. They are the ones who have been alone with God, who spent time in prayer and who truly sacrificed. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. The success of our ministry, no matter what our ministry is, is directly tied to and rooted in our time spent alone with Jesus. We must stay rooted in the vine if we intend to bear fruit. We can never underestimate the importance and the value of our time with God. Nothing is more valuable and nothing is more important. The mistake that many make today, both in the world and in the church, is that they consider popularity and notoriety to be forms of measurement for ministerial value and success. This is a very dangerous ideology, one that we must beware of. It's tempting to think of fame and wealth as validation of success, but the devil uses this to blind us and to cast doubt as to our own success. The true test of successful ministry is not how many seats can be filled, but rather how many people are living changed lives. We can have full seats but empty hearts amongst the people that we try to help. Whatever our ministry is, whether that be giving in prayer or anything else, this is how we produce fruit of the Spirit that will last. 
we will see it manifest and be evident in their lives and in ours. Our success is found in changed hearts and changed lives and renewed minds, not in numbers or applause or approval of man. The only applause that matters in this life is the applause of the nail-scarred hands. Whether we're ministering in secret on the lower deck where we faithfully row or whether we are on the upper deck for all to see, we should never despise the ministry that we've been given. We should embrace it because God sets us apart and specifically prepares us for the ministry that he made for us. Those on the upper deck are those who are in the public eye, preachers and teachers, evangelists, apostles and prophets, and anyone else whose ministry is public in nature. When you have both the lower and the upper decks together, you get a complete ship. Both are necessary. When you have both, the ship goes forward and advances towards its destination. If we are to reach our destination of the will of God being executed in and through us as his willing ministers who he has made able, we must stay faithful in rowing. Our other role that we need to look at is stewards. Every one of us is called to be a steward of the mysteries of God. Titus 1 and 7 says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. These are characteristics that go hand in hand with good stewards. God has always called mankind to be stewards of what he has given. Genesis 2.15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. We've seen stewardship ever since the beginning, all throughout history. Our stewardship is also directly related to our ministering. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says, As every man have received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Since we are called to be stewards, we need to see what it actually means to be a steward. Noah Webster said, In scripture and theology, a steward means a minister of Christ, whose duty is to dispense the provisions of the gospel, to preach its doctrines, and administer its ordinances. In its other sense, it means a household manager who takes care of domestic concerns. The Greek word used for steward is okonomos. It means of a household manager, a steward, a guardian. Okonomos comes from okos, meaning house or household, and nemo, meaning to a lot or a portion. The manager often functioned as the steward of a household and was generally a freed man, a slave released from forced legal servitude. This is a very different definition of steward than we are used to. This understanding shows us why we're called to be stewards. Today we are freed men. Jesus has set us free. We were formerly enslaved to the bondage of sin and to law, but Jesus came to bring us out and to fulfill his mission to set the captive free. It is the freedom that was won for us on Calvary that prepares us to be good managers and stewards of what God has given us because it allows us to appreciate the gift we've been given. God has given us his word, and he has put his Holy Spirit within us. He has called us to be stewards of these gifts. We need to learn the word and learn how to fully operate in the spirit. Part of stewardship is the cultivation of these gifts. The Lord has made us stewards in our families, in our workplace, and in church. We need to take ownership of wherever God has placed us in life. Once we take ownership, we naturally begin to care for and value what God has given us. 
The gift that we have all been given as born-again believers is the gospel. Since we have freely received, we should greatly desire to freely give it. This is the most important aspect of our role as stewards. When God presents us with an opportunity to share the gospel, we have to manage that opportunity. We have to take care that what we are telling people is truthful and accurate. We are called to contend for the faith as it was once delivered to the saints. If we fail to give correct information, it's a dereliction of our duty as stewards. Part of the way that we show the power of the gospel to others is by manifesting its effects in our lives. When we not only speak about the gospel, but also actively live it out, we cultivate our gift better and use the opportunity to its greatest impact and to its full potential. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. Paul was calling Timothy to steward well the gift that God had placed within him. He wanted him to stir up the gift so that he could use it to its fullest potential. We steward our gifts when we manage our use of them. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning in the 42nd verse, says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. If we are to be faithful and wise stewards, we need to put forth the effort and do the work that God is calling us to do, using the gifts that he has given us. We are called to stay diligent in our stewardship. There is no place for giving up. Luke 9.62 tells us, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Taking care of something, or someone, or a ministry, is a long-term process. It's not overnight. It requires time to be spent and love to be given. Stewardship is a commitment, and we must stay faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We see here that faithfulness is not only important, it's required. It is absolutely necessary for successful stewardship. The Greek word used for faithful is pistos, meaning faithful, reliable, trustworthy, believing. Strong's Concordance goes on further to say, Pistos is an adjective derived from pith, meaning persuaded. It means Faithful, loyalty to faith, literally fullness of faith, typically a believing faith God imparts. God is looking for us to have loyalty to our ministry and loyalty to those whom he has placed in our lives. He is looking for us to be faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and believing servants. These are the types of servants that are profitable because they allow themselves to be used as vessels for God to work in and through. They are willing and obedient. These are the characteristics we must have in order to be wise stewards. We serve a God of justice who is always fair. He doesn't require anything from us that he doesn't also exemplify and show forth himself. The Greek word 
used for required is epieto, which is a verb meaning to ask back, to ask what is due, to demand back. God is asking the same from us that he has given us. It is impossible to ask for something back that was not first given. God manifests through his own character what he expects us to manifest through ours. We find that God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and believing. These are all indelible parts of his character. This is why God is a wise and a faithful steward. He manages the affairs of all mankind, and he takes care of us, his creation. He provides for all of our needs. He manages the affairs of countries and of all the world. The Lord is our greatest example when it comes to a wise and a faithful steward, and it's our job to learn from his example and to follow suit. We find that our ministry and our stewardship are two sides of the same coin. We are called to steward well the ministry that God has given us. This is God's will for each of us. Once we begin to answer the call and to walk in it, people will notice our faithfulness and men will account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And when men account of us in this way, it will give honor and glory to God because our faithfulness will serve as a testament to the faithfulness of our God. We will also be blessed and produce much spiritual fruit because we are not only operating in the ministry that God gave us, we are also faithfully managing and stewarding that ministry. We will also be blessed and produce much spiritual fruit because we are not only operating in the ministry that God gave us, but we are also faithfully managing and stewarding that ministry. It is our job to answer this call from God. We can't defer the responsibility to someone else. It's our responsibility. God made us and designed us to be his ministers and stewards. Let's make the choice today with a willing and an open heart to answer the call and faithfully execute God's will for our lives. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you that you have made your will clear to us, that you desire for us to be willing ministers and faithful stewards of your word and of the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have put within us, Lord God. We thank you for what you have done in our lives, all the gifts that you have given. And Lord, we thank you that you make us able, that you make us sufficient, that you make us adequate, that you make us able to follow and fulfill your will for our lives, Lord God. And we thank you that you help us to manage the gifts that you have given us and to execute your will in the proper way that you desire for us to do. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you that you are a wise and a faithful steward in our lives and in the lives of our nation and all around the world. And Lord, we thank you for all that you are going to do, Lord. We praise you in advance. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be a faithful minister and steward and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback, 
and tell us how much you appreciate this show. You can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.